Hi everybody and welcome to the Vocal Advancement Podcast, a podcast for voice teachers by voice teachers. I'm one of your hosts, Tom, and I'm joined today with my lovely co-host, Heather. Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa to you. <laughs> Hopefully that's how you say that. <laughs> People across Japan, horrified. No, we apologise in advance. So Heather, how's it going then? How's life? It's all good. How's yours? <laughs> Fine. We're amid the winter weather already up here in Scotland. I was just going to say, and wind. you ask a question like that to a British person and all you're going to get is is commentary on the weather. <laughs> there it's are been other very things... rainy. <laughs> oh, it's been horrible. There are other things going on in the UK that we could comment on, but that would take us down a completely different route oh, just now. Let's not get there. Let's yeah. not get there. Yeah. Biscuits are very expensive now. <laughs> uh, that's a point. We we should have mentioned that after episode two of, of this podcast went out, uh, we, we were talking to Mel and we were asking all about uh, New Zealand biscuits. She sent mm. us a lovely little voice <laughs> memo, <laughs> <laughs> laughing her head off at us and our looking into our hokey pokey. Apparently hokey pokey flavour is like what did what does she say honeycomb honeycomb yeah so like the inside of a crunchy which sounds utterly it's, amazing <laughs> it does and sadly she was just in new zealand and said that she could have brought us some if we had let her know so it's such a shame i know we're gonna get... have to put that into our contracts you know <laughs> must send sample of biscuits from your country that's it <laughs> <laughs> wonder what our lawyer would think of that clause <laughs> Seven point well, one, the biscuit clause. That's it. Well, see, we. So today's episode. We. Who is on today's episode, Tom? So today's episode. This is a very interesting episode. The lovely Andrew Byrne. Yeah, that's right. I believe so. Burn, yes. baby, burn. <laughs> so Andrew was a guest at our conference last year and did an amazing presentation about the body and how it affects the voice and it was really well received by our teachers who wanted more from Andrew. So Andrew came along and did a lovely webinar for us about deswelling the vocal cords and using your body as an, to, to see where it's coming from. So it was it wasn't what I expected, but it was really good. And it was. It was interesting. And I, uh, what I liked about it in particular was that he explained a little bit more about why he was doing what he was doing, which mm. speaks to me. I'm one of those people that likes to understand the reasoning behind something. I won't take something at face value and just go, yeah, that's good. I want to know why it's good. So uh, he was very good at, it, at explaining that side of things. Yeah, he and Andrew is a lovely guy. He's so generous with his time and his knowledge and his expertise. He just he would chat for hours and hours on end, and we did chat for quite uh, we did a long chat time. for quite a long time. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to hear a slightly edited version of our chat with him because otherwise this podcast would be about four hours long. Yeah, we're we're our timekeeping's a little off in this, but we're we're, <laughs> we're it's just because there's so much interesting stuff that comes up. It's hard to I know, you know it is. It's hard to kind of decide what are the main things we want to ask about because yeah, you know, Tom and I are nosy. We want to know everything. <laughs> Yeah, and as you've probably realised, we just like to chat, you know, a good old chinwag. We do like a good old chinwag. Yeah. So I suppose we should probably go straight to Andrew and find yes. out what he's got to tell us. Yes, so let's hear from Andrew. Andrew. 
So, Andrew, thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We are delighted to see you again after your webinar that you did for us the other day there. So how are you doing? How's things? I am doing so well, and I'm so glad to be with you both. It's an incredible treat to get to talk with you. Yeah, we're looking forward to diving more into your kind of work and what you've been researching and working on for the last couple yeah. of years. But yeah. perhaps we can start and get to know you a little bit better first. So totally. can you maybe tell us kind of how you got started in the world of singing and the kind of journey that you've been on, perhaps? Absolutely. So I'm from a, a, a family of musicians. My aunt was an opera singer when I was growing up, so I was surrounded by it as a child and studied it in school. And how I got into what I do is uh, for supporting myself in college and in grad school, I played for voice lessons. So that was my job to get money to live. And I was that nerd who would come early to the lesson and take notes on what the teacher was doing and all that stuff. And so I thought of it kind of like an apprenticeship. So it was something where we were, uh, I was able to absorb this wisdom from all these different perspectives uh, just by being able to be in the room in these in these sessions. And obviously I've done the repertoire doing that too, but also it was just an I used it mostly as a chance to get to know what these teachers were doing, what kind of style of training uh, jazzed me. And the thing that I would notice in my own brain was as soon as someone started talking about anatomy, I would kind of like perk up and I would be like, ooh, what's this? Um, and I'm still that nerd today where I still love to look <laughs> at uh, anatomy. And I especially was interested in teachers who would say stuff about things that seemed kind of farther away from the instrument. Um, my own history is uh, medically, I had an inguinal hernia when I was four. Um, so an inguinal hernia is like in the lower abdominal region on my left side. No teacher ever asked me about it, but um, along the way, I started to figure out that that was really messing with my own singing. And so when teachers would talk about stuff like core muscles or leg or arm or whatever and relate that to singing, that really interested me. So I even in college started exploring that. I started with Alexander Technique, which I'm sure many of our listeners have done. Um, and then along the way got led into some more athletic training. That's from my other side of my history. Since I'm a pianist, I used to play, I'm in New York and I used to play Broadway shows. I played in the original uh, production of Les Mis that started in 1987. Wow. Yeah, I took over um, in the, the pit in 2000. And so I was playing a lot more and in this very strange way, if you've never been in a pit orchestra at the time, there were all these like, you know, I'm sure it's fancier now, but there were all these like pedals you had to use and, you know, make sure you were on this level or whatever. So it was, it was a lot of stress and I started to get really terrible pain in my left elbow. And again, my hernia is on my left side. So I started to uh, try everything to fix myself because many of us have probably had a moment where we go, can I keep doing this? And this was my moment um, where I actually was in such pain when I would touch the keyboard that I thought I was finished and I thought I was never going to play again. And so I basically got to a point where I was like, I got to either fix myself or I got to quit. And I devoted all of myself to fixing what, what was going on. And so along the way, I, I met some incredibly smart body people. I did more Alexandra, which really, really helped me and I still think is great work. Um, but I did some other stuff too. And I started to get interested in uh, training with phys physical therapists and people in that world. And then through that, I eventually got led into a neuroscience-based lens on that same concept of how do we see what's happening in the body, but then relate that to what's probably happening in that person's brain when we see that. And that's what I've been doing for about the past 10 years. And that's what I wrote a book called The Singing Athlete, which is combining that those two concepts of 
training outside of our field as singing teachers with physical people and neuroscience people and going, what are the takeaways that we can bring back to our world as singing instructors to um, basically be able to help as many people as possible? I often say when I present is that we all have the experience of going, oh, X equals Y. When someone comes into my studio and they have problems phonating in this range, this is what I do and this is how we correct that. And often that will work. There's everything that's around in our field like that has a rationale behind it. And there are tons of examples of it working beautifully. And it's easy to sit there as a teacher and go, yeah, that works great. I'm amazing. And then someone else comes <laughs> in and they, they have the same problem and you're like, okay, I'm going to do my thing. And you're like, oh, that didn't work. <laughs> that totally did not work for them. And what I've already gathered about your organization, which is so great, is that you are looking to collate more and more knowledge from people. And to me, that's the lens of us as colleagues that we all should aspire to because nobody has all the answers, certainly me included. And just to go, we're all looking for new nuggets to actually be able to fix something. And so that is why I study the stuff I do to go, what are the things that when the traditional stuff doesn't work, what can I like come back to you and go, well, maybe they have this thing going on with their eyes, or maybe there's something in their own history that I didn't pick up. And that's, I'm an example of that, where if someone had asked me, well, have you ever had any midline surgery? I'd be like, yeah, I have a major scar on my left side. That's the kind of thing that um, I love about it, as I love seeing the individual and going, what is their story? What have they been through? And that's the starting point for all of our work. But that only works if we know what to do about that. Like if we're taking history and then we go, cool, you have an inguinal hernia. I have no idea what that is or how that would affect voice. That's not, it's not as useful. And so I, <laughs> I spend a lot of my time trying to figure out, um, you know, whatever comes across my desk, what can I do about that? How can I always relate that back to the, the student's goal, which is to sing well, but to go, there are elements that I might have not considered as a teacher and Again, why I really am so honored to be with your organization is that my opinion is that continuing education keeps you neurologically young. And it is something that when we stop doing that and we're like, whatever, I got it. I went to school for this. I'm, I'm cool. That ends up being in a way a degradation of the brain. And so those who I connect with are the people who are like, nope, this is a lifelong study. There is always more to learn. And we're going to try to um, create a structure so that we get more and more uh, inspired by each other and going, wow, I'd never thought about actually testing where someone looks or if they can stand on one leg or if they pull their hernia scar in a certain <coughs> direction, what happens, right? These are all things that hmm. can be included under the purview of voice, especially because we spend so much time with our students, you know, right? We know that in the U.S., the average stat is that a person spends eight minutes a year with their general doctor eight minutes in a year and think of how often we're, how much time we're spending with people, we have an opportunity to help them and to relate it back to the thing that we all love, which is singing. And we, we know from the brain that that is uh, how we get change. When, we, when we're working with stuff we care about, our neural pathways open up and we actually can make shifts. So we have, I think, a pretty high calling to say these people are coming to us, they already love this. So they are going to be very neurologically plastic when they're with us. They're going to have big changes. So the more educated I can be on what I'm seeing, the better. Yeah, just, yeah. I mean, you talked about scars before. One thing, because I, yeah. I have got your book, look, so. Oh, great. Nerdy. 
Thank you, Heather. Uh, yes, that, there it is. For the book here. <laughs> so, uh, when I was uh, going through that, one yeah. it was just a tiny little passage, but it, it yeah. was something I'm like, I've never thought of that before. You you wrote a little bit about people with tattoos and piercings. Yes. yes. And I was like, I would never oh. have even thought about how that might right. possibly affect what they were doing with their singing. Do, yes. Can you elaborate yeah, on Totally, that? yes. Yeah, so a tattoo is a voluntary scar. It's just creating a scar in your body. And what is so interesting about the neural lens of all this stuff is that we can look at the body, like for instance, we go, oh, like I rolled my ankle, but that's super far away from my larynx. So that couldn't possibly be affecting what I'm doing as a singer. And there, if you sat with me all day, you would see countless examples of that not being true, how that absolutely <laughs> can change someone's voice if they roll their ankle. And so then we go, I, whenever we're dealing with stuff like a tattoo, even if it's far away from the larynx, it is creating a lack of movement somewhere in the skin. And one of my mentors in this often will do pretty gentle palpations on people. He's not like pushing super deep in, but he'll drag skin in various directions and then test stuff like a muscle test, or in my case, test your voice. And there can be pretty profound changes because the skin is getting so much information from the outside world. And in general, our population that we work with is fairly externally focused, meaning that a lot of people that are in our field do it because we love to be with people. I know that's true for me. We love to be in processes. We love to be in groups. We love to work for a common goal. So there tends to be an external focus for many people in our who come into us. And the skin is the way we meet the external world. So there is, if there is a lack of movement there, there can be a problem. And what I say in the book, any kind of scarring, including a tattoo, it creates a more random pattern in the collagen in the skin. So what's happening is the brain is trying to get information about the safety of an area, and it's got like a bit of a fuzzy map somewhere. And that can affect how you feel about something. And I, I will often say that an area of blurriness like that can be an area of chronic pain. So a common thing with pianists is uh, arm tattoos involved in pain for them. So often there will be things there. So what you do about that, and I go over this in the book and in the video that comes with it, is I call it a pressure check, which is to go, does a certain kind of pressure or direction create a clearer map for the brain? So if you have a tattoo, it doesn't mean you've ruined your life. It just means that you may have to do some rehab on it if it's bugging you. Some people are like, there's no problem. I say in the book, there's some information that red ink is the most neurologically problematic. So it may be that the color you chose isn't a problem. It may be that it's just like your brain's totally cool with it and that's awesome. But if you're like, hmm, I've never thought about the fact that, you know, that shoulder does bug me. And I have this giant tattoo on my arm there. How I work with it is I just will firstly check a range of motion, someone or check a strength thing with them. I'll do a muscle test and or obviously hear them sing. And then I just touch the tattoo and I'll recheck it. And I go, is it if it's worse, if it's like I touch that and they get stiff or they get weak, then I go, this area is neurologically active. Something is happening for them there that they find to be threatening. And then I will try different kinds of contact. And if I can't get anything that works there, I will probably go somewhere else because there's like too much threat around that area at that moment. Um, and that's really common in scars. I work with someone who has uh, had what's called a Chiari malformation, which is when your brain stem and cerebellum start to grow through your foramen magnum, which is a very serious brain condition where you can easily die. And so he has a giant scar. And that when we first worked together, I would touch it and it would turn bright red. Like I would just touch it and the whole thing would, it would absolutely inflame. And now over years of working with him, I can move the scar a little bit, but I still have to be pretty careful because it's, you know, a very serious thing. 
a tattoo is not normally going to be like that. But let's say I pull the tattoo up on the arm and it's like, oh my God, my neck is so much better. I pull it down and they're like, oh God, I can't move at all. I'm going to tape it up. I'm going to hold it up with a piece of kinesio tape. And that's something that can be left on for several days for someone and they can redo it. And then what I do in a longer relationship with someone is I say, okay, don't come with the tape. Let's just see how it's doing. And then I'm going to do the same test. And I don't want to see those big changes. I want to see it having reintegrated, meaning I should be able to pull it up and they're pretty good, pull it down and they're pretty good. So there's no, not a big change like that. And then my interpretation is their brain has reintegrated the skin in enough that it's not sending out funky signals from that area anymore. And of course, there's other things you can do. You can do heat pack, you can do a cold pack, you can do vibration, all these Theraguns and stuff that we have. These are potentially useful for it too. There's something called two-point discrimination. I'll just grab it for those on the video. So you can use something like a paperclip like this and unfold it and go, do I feel that's two things when I, I put that on my body? The answer should be yes. And so if I go, yeah, I got it. I got in that tattoo and I'm like, oh, no, I can't. That's actually really fuzzy there. Then you can practice with a paperclip like this and you just do that uh, a little bit between sessions. And then we will retest next time we work to go, is it, it, is it better? Is it more even with the skin around it? So those are just some ideas about how to how to work with that. But love it. It's just yeah. a new wow, excuse yeah. for me not to ever have to get an, a tattoo at any point <laughs> in my life. <laughs> I, I'm it's just not amazed. I'm a big and I don't like needles at all. It's yeah. all about no. my voice, sweetie darling. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, also for me, I'm like, am I still going to like this in two years? Like I've, I see people get like someone when I was younger, got a Bart Simpson tattoo. And I was like, are you really sure you're still going to think the Simpsons are cool in 10 years? Like, At least they're still people, going on TV, Phil. So, so, yeah, you know. I know. I mean, they are still going. Like, I, I guess he did. He did pick at least a, a project with longevity. But people who get these tattoos of like some pop character, I'm like, are you insane? Mm -hmm. Like, that's not. That's not going to always be a thing. But anyway, yeah. Oh yes. my word! Now, now you mentioned before about somebody moving their ankle and then yeah. their voice changing. Yeah. Right now, yes. when you did your webinar, the yeah. one kind of, I suppose, kind of aha moment I had was when you had me waving my leg around in the yeah. air. Right. So I, I, I often now find myself stood in the kitchen making a cup of tea, waving my leg around. <laughs> I love it, Heather. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. But the thing that I suppose kind of was a light bulb moment for me was because you actually explained why that why? made a difference yeah. because i am yeah. that sort of critical person that's like uh yeah it's just a coincidence i wave my leg around and, <laughs> oh, oh it's just coincidentally something got better it must just be coincidence but then when you explained what was going on it was like yeah. oh okay yeah. then yeah so what, just, will just, you explain for those I people will, I will. Going, what on earth so wave just, your leg around it <laughs> So there's a lot of things that happen with that. I'm going to talk about how I did in the webinar, and then I'll say another thing about it. But the basic idea is this. In the webinar, we talked about it as the lymphatic system. So we all get people coming into our studios of like, I'm swollen. And does laryngeal massage help with that? Of course. But at least in my experience, people often say stuff like, it helped, but they say like, it was better, but it's like still a thing. So mm. then for me, we have to spread out the lens of where else is the lymphatic system in the body. And what I was, what Heather's referring to is we were in the class doing some calf raises and then some internally rotated hip circles. And the reason is because lymph nodes, which are like the way stations in the lymph uh, system, lymphatic system, the calves, the soleus muscle contain, uh, it's called a venous, V-E-N-O-U-S sinus. So it's holding blood. 
and lymph in that area. And so when you are not walking and moving enough, you will get venous, V-E-N-O-U-S, stasis. Your, your veins are not pumping up well from the ground and including lymph. And we know that vocal folds have lymphatic uh, drainage from below as well as from above, but some studies show that from below is actually a little more. And so we don't want to ignore what's happening below our vocal folds in terms of getting out of swelling, whether it's from overuse or whether it's from illness or whatever. We have to have more tools to get people to do that. And generally moving is good, but there are some places where there's more lymphatic effect. And so then the, the lymph nodes are on the inside of your thigh. So if you internally rotate your thigh and make circles, you are mechanically driving lymph through the body. And I said in the class that the heart pumps the uh, blood, the lymphatic system is only pumped through breathing and through movement. And so reason number 1 million to move more is to go well, that's giving me lymphatic flow through my body, which is clearing the garbage and reducing swelling in any local areas. And so that's a, an important thing to know about. And then to have simple exercise that you can give your students to be like, this is gonna sound weird, but can you turn your hip in and can you circle it? And then can you sing again? And it won't sound weird to them. And they go, wow, I actually feel better. <laughs> that, then you will be like making tea going, yeah, I actually wanna feel good. I wanna feel like I have a vitality to my voice. I don't feel like I'm unable to recover well from whatever the demands of the day or the rehearsal or the show have been. So that that is why. And then the other reason beyond lymph, that's something like, like let's say someone has broken their ankle. The reason that makes a difference is because your joints have mechanoreceptors in them. So we have what's called nociceptors, which are threat receptors. Um, it's not just pain, but it's pain is often how it's described. And then you've got mechanoreceptors and certain areas of the body have more mechanoreceptors and that is your feet and ankles, your hands and wrists, your spine and your skull. So a couple of those feel very related to us, you know, spinal work or skull, we kind of get as singing folks, but hands and wrists, ankles and feet have a ton of mechanoreceptors in them. And what that is an opportunity for is to reduce pain and to improve clarity in terms of where things are in the body. And so if you have, say, broken your ankle, but not fully rehabbed it, it's affecting you because you're standing when you sing and you're like, I'm getting bad information from that side. So it's going up the chain and it's affecting a lot of other joints um, because that's such a rich area. So it's something that um, when I do live classes, I often do work kind of far away and people will <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense, but also I could tell that it was better. <laughs> so the, the more we swing through anatomy with the different systems, I think like the, the better the understanding is of that, that really anything could, could help. And for me, it's just cool because it's like a puzzle. Whenever someone comes to me, it's like, that's the, the fun of it. I think we all experience that a little bit as singing teachers, that it's like, it's an, it's an engaging topic because no one's the same. And we got to go, I got to figure out how to get this person where they need to be. And again, having just more ways to test that and more ways to be kind of um, more like systematic about that, I think are, are useful. Yeah. And I think you found the one way that will ever motivate me to do anything resembling exercise. <laughs> <quite frankly. laughs> well, I, I always say that the things that change your brain are intensity and salience. So intensity is obvious, but salience, I care about it. And so when you can tie it to your student to say it's already intense experience, they're there with you in the room singing. 
And then it's salient. Like everyone on this call and everyone listening loves singing. Like I get up every day wanting to do it. And I, I'm, I've been doing it for 30 years. I, I, I get up every day looking forward to it. I just really love it. And so those of us who, who do feel that way, we will be motivated if we're like, this is actually going to improve my singing, then of course I want to do it. And I want to know a little bit about why, but then if I feel that effect in myself, I'll be like, well, I'm just naturally going to want to do those things. Cause you know, at least speaking for myself, I want to sing well when I'm 80 and beyond. I don't want this to be a, a short-term thing for myself. So I always have that long view of like, what, what improves my stamina in the day, but then also improves my stamina over my life. Those, those are the things I want to have. So were you into, like, were you a big exerciser alongside music or yeah. exercise a, a byproduct of figuring out, you know, your movement yeah. for your, your I, instrument? It's a good question. I, I was, but I, I, I would say that I got much more committed to it when it really came to like, oh, I'm not going to be able to play the piano again. And right. so I, I grew up playing tennis and running track and like I, I played soccer. Like I, I, I was an active person, but I will say that what really committed me to it was when I hit that moment of like, I guess I'm done with this. And then I was like, no. And since that moment, since I made that realization over 20 years ago, I, I mean, I, I absolutely exercise minimum five times a week. And then I'm always sort of thinking about it throughout my day too. And so for me, that was like the, the change of commitment. And what you're talking about, Heather, is the same thing. It's just like when we hit that moment in life when we're like, oh, I'm going to lose this thing that actually makes me me. That is the thing I personally feel like I'm here on earth to do nothing else interests me <laughs> like this is the thing i love nothing else would feel as satisfying for me to do with my day and so it's it's kind of an easy thing for me that i'm like well if this is it i have to do everything i can to make sure that this is it forever until the day i die i want to be able to do these things and so yeah i think that's an interesting thing for everyone listening to think about to go if you've not already hit that moment honestly you probably will and uh, if you have, you can think about that as a, a point where some kind of commitment had to be made. And that was my, my personal experience, that, that that was the moment. Yeah, I think it does generally yeah. happen later on in life. When you're a young whippersnapper, you <laughs> get away so with too. a lot more, don't you? <laughs> I think so too, but I, I was actually pretty young when it happened. Like I was in my 20s and like, it kind of was good because I was like, well, I have to go through this a little earlier than other people do. But But absolutely, in my experience, all high level performers eventually go through something like this. And so the more we can be prepared as the instructor to look for the signs of that and to help them understand like it's yes, this is a hard moment, but it's also going to be okay. And that's why I share my story because I have played hundred percent pain-free for almost 20 years now. And so it's like, if, if I can do it, you can do it. And it was like definitely bad enough that it wasn't like, Oh, it's going to be fine. So because I've had a pretty solid experience of that i feel quite comfortable with people who come to me and say i've had this horrible thing happen i'm like yeah except that like brains are really resilient one of my mentors always says never tell a brain what's impossible and i, I really love that quote i think it's it really uh explains a lot about my own experiences but also what i see all day with people where things that seem so impossible absolutely happen in this this crazy way and I have you know, tons of examples of that in my own life. And I'm sure you all do too, of, of things where you're like, it just seemed like there was no hope and here it is. Yeah, I think a yeah, lot of vocalists amazing. go through that, don't they? Yeah. yeah. But it's amazing to be in a position to be able to help them as well. Like we've talked about this before, Heather and I, how we, 
are in a very privileged position where we get to help these people with their dreams and ambitions and goals. So yeah, it's wonderful. And I'm kind of just curious, you know, you obviously see a lot of people because you, you do private lessons. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if you see like any common themes between singers and their voices and issues that they have. Um, yeah, I, I do. So I, I work mostly with pretty high level folks. Um, sometimes I dip my toe back into more like beginner situations and master classes or whatever. And I would say one of the biggest differences I see in those who are um, high level is that they're able to talk about their voice in very um, dispassionate terms and are able to compliment themselves without it being like an ego trip. So someone will say something to me like, Oh yeah, like I'm, but I, I'm I'm great at doing that kind of stuff. Like I'm really I'm I'm excellent. I'm an excellent mixer. That's no problem for me. Like like they're they're able to just say that without feeling like oh I'm I'm sorry to like that. They just are like very normal about it. They're like oh yeah, I, my riffing is really really great. So that's that's definitely not going to be a problem for me. Or like you know I'm, I'm really strong in my head voice, so I'll be fine. And and they're able to say. But I also have this thing going on where, like, I'm not so good at this transition between B and C right here or what, whatever it is. And so I, I find that they have moved through some stages so that, like, sometimes described when you hear yourself or see yourself back as a singer, there's the shock stage, which is, oh, my God, I look like that. I sound like that. <laughs> then there's the critical stage where all you're doing is just being mean to yourself of being like, well, that was flat and that sucked and I sound terrible. And why am I doing this? And then eventually, if you keep doing it, you move through to, to a constructive stage where you can be like, okay, well, that was flat. However, this was much better on that pass. And I was able to actually fix this thing that's been bugging me in that one moment. And the people who are successful at this tend to be in that stage with me. And I, I will work with someone at any stage of that, but I tend to love to work with people who are like that because then I can just be real with you and be like, yeah, that was under. So we're not in the right place with that. Let's try to work with that. Yeah, that was better. You know what? That actually wasn't better, what you just did there. So we're not going to do that one. And I like people who have that kind of um, headspace around it. And I think that predicts success. Now, obviously, everyone feels anxiety around their voice. And, you know, that's, a, I think, a normal state because we can't see it. But it is something that I feel like people who have a little more sense of balance in that tend to have a less catastrophic look at, oh, I got a little tired or, oh, that didn't feel right, that pass. So I tend to gravitate towards people like that. But again, you know, like, I think we all need to work with people at any stage in that. And the stages aren't static because the, I'm sure we all have stories of people who are in that space and then something happens to them medically or personally or emotionally, and then they regress a stage in that. And they're like, now I'm just being mean to myself again. But what is true and what's nice about the neuroscience lens is that we know that if there's a previous map in the brain of success, it's way easier to get back to that than to create it anew. And so if you've already gotten yourself to that level and then something happened to you and it all went haywire for a little bit, you're not broken. My other mantra I make people say is I'm not as broken as I think I am. That is one of the things I make people say aloud <laughs> a lot because everybody thinks they're like completely messed up. And then very often in sessions, we see like pretty immediate change uh, for, the, for the better. And so it's good to hold on to that too. And people who have had that previous experience of it going well, they have the map. You just have to re rediscover it with them um, when, when they get off the track a little bit. Yeah. And 
Oh, sorry, Heather. You no, gonna... I was going to say, I just, I feel like there's a slight cultural difference going on there because in the UK, it's never acceptable to say you're good at anything. Oh, wow. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. That could I'm be like, an American thing. I can thing. tell yeah. you work with Americans because if, oh, yes, if, exactly. if someone from the UK came in and told me, well, I can do this and I can do that and I can do the other, but I just can't do this. My, my brain is thinking, well, aren't you full of yourself? <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. And don't I need to bring you down a peg or two? <laughs> interesting. Okay. I, I did not know that. I, yeah, I'm learning things today too. That's there good to you know. Go. Yeah. Just, just, I think it's just culturally unacceptable to be huh. British and to toot your own horn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does seem like an American thing. That that is well, true. No, well, I think we we've got a lot to learn there. We well, we'll probably have stuff to learn from each other. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's amazing. The the body brain connection is amazing when you really start to dive it into is, this yeah. and you understand just the power that it all has when it's all together. So. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, this is fascinating. We could probably end up talking for like five hours. Oh, like, about like this I said, pick your brain we, clean. We could do a five-hour podcast, and believe Easy. me, I'd be here for it. I'd I'd be here for it because um, it could literally go on all day. But um, yeah, this is. Well, so, Andrew, such just a before pleasure. we go, yeah. can you just so if people know where to find you? Yeah, you mentioned sure. your book, the Singing Athlete, but totally. where can people find you if they want to find so it more? So it's um so the the, the singing athlete.com is where this website for the book. It has uh, links to buy the book, but also an entire video series and a bunch of other coursework. If you want to do things with me, um, the videos come with the book, so they're just um, movements visual. So I show you all 150 drills myself, um, and that comes with the book. And then my main site is just andrewburn.com, B-Y-R-N-E. Um, I'm on Instagram at singingathlete as well, if you want to see me blather on about the nervous system more. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. Absolutely. So we'll put those in the show notes so people okay. can get those. And uh, yeah, it's been, I mean, honestly, genuinely, we could probably sit and talk about this all day and all the other yeah. topics you've mentioned along the way when we've had sessions with you about, you know, the vagus nerve and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. we will definitely need to have more conversations with you in the future. Would love that. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. So great to talk with you both. Thank it was a you. Yeah, thank you for joining right. us and giving up your time. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks. So that was our interview with Andrew. And as you can see, we had a, a great time chatting to him and picking his brain on various things and um, I'm curious Heather you asked Andrew about uh, an exercise that actually came from the the classic conference about rotating your leg and the difference it made so can you just tell me a bit more about that what what was it and why why did it help tell you, you a bit more about that. <laughs> I'll tell you what I do while I'm making a cup of tea these days <laughs> <laughs> talk goes on and then if you looked in the window you'd see me squatting and you'd see me stood in the kitchen waggling my leg around uh, now i am not one for doing squats ordinarily and andrew is the only person who's ever made me actually want to do them mm. because genuinely when i did his class and i did that exercise i was like oh actually yeah, that one I felt. Some of the other ones I didn't feel, I'll be honest. Hmm. Some of the s movements we did, I was like, yeah, that I didn't feel any difference. But that one in particular worked for me. And I don't know whether it's because we spend, as voice teachers, a lot of time sitting down. Hmm, and so we we're not moving our legs that much. So I don't know whether that's why that particular exercise, I felt a difference. But I genuinely felt my voice got a little clearer after I did that leg rotation and the, and the squats and it was making us do squats 
like a little bit at a time go down in three and then up in one. And I'm like, it was a bit like an exercise class, which quite frankly is not what I like doing with my spare time. (laughs) 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 But I do like singing. And so something as simple as that. And like I said, I do. I genuinely, I put the kettle on and while I'm waiting for it to boil, I start waving my legs around. (laughs) Yeah. What do you do when you're putting the kettle on? To... <laughs> I usually unload the dishwasher. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, next time, squat as you're doing it and you'll be multitasking. <laughs> yeah. Fix your voice, clean dishes and a cup of tea. Absolutely. Do you know, know. what? There's such, such a British thing to say. Americans don't even have kettles. They just don't... I suppose they put their percolate, percolator on. And then, although they, I think they all have these fancy kettles now because they all do their fresh poured coffee things, they do what is it like they have the kettles of the weird spouts and they do the bloomed coffee things I keep seeing on YouTube and all this. Is that right? Yeah, I see. I'm I'm not up with those sorts of trends. I just I like a nice I brew. <laughs> yeah, I don't drink coffee, but I like watching it. No, oh my god, I haven't. I, I do you know I have not so drank... much coffee. <laughs> I haven't drank coffee for about <laughs> 10 years now. I can't tell you how excited I was when, you know, more current research came out to tell you that drinking coffee was absolutely fine for singers. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You could hear the collective sigh of relief going, yes. I was like, what? Well, let's get a Starbucks. <laughs> well, we had a lot of fun with Andrew and... We did. Um, so much so um, that we invited him to come back and do another class for us, didn't we? We did, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Andrew is going to be joining us again for another webinar. Uh, when is that? That's November 2022, I believe. I think. Definitely sometime in 2022. But he's going to be talking about the Vegas now. In that yeah, I'm really interested to hear what he has to say about that, because that is the, it's quite a uh, in-topic in the it world is. of voice right now. And there are differing opinions on how important it is. So I'm I'm interested to hear his take on that um, yes but all of his classes for those of you who are listening you can uh purchase retrospectively so you can go back and uh go on our website which is vocaladvancement.com right that's the one <laughs> i shouldn't know that shouldn't i you should it's only been that on for there. 10 years <laughs> click on uh is it courses you click on what's what click do you on click events. on events events that's the one click on events and then you'll see uh, what we've got coming up, whichever speakers we've got coming up. You can attend live. And there's also somewhere to click there to have a look at previous yeah, courses. So if you missed Andrew's class, you can go back. You can watch it back um, on there. Yeah. And isn't there a code they can use, Tom, if there they're a podcast is. listener? If they've patiently made it through, all of us, on all of this, then they can have $5 off using the code IVA podcast. That's all lowercase. Brilliant. But we'll put a link in the show notes below with that. I was just going to say, they don't, they don't have to listen all the way through. They can just check the show notes. <laughs> put it at the very bottom of the show notes, so you have to scroll. <laughs> You've got to work for it. You've got to find it. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> and obviously on our website there, you'll see all the information about our teacher training as well. So if yes. you are interested in upskilling 
and learning a little bit more about uh, effective ways to work with singers, you will find a whole host of information on there about our courses that are available to people who want to train to teach or who are already teaching and want to um, add to their skill set. Indeed. And webinars like these webinars with Andrew are a part of our uh, course requirements as part of our elective studies, you know. So coming in and joining our programs, you get access to people like Andrew through these webinar programs. So a double whammy, you know. Absolutely. So that was our episode. Yeah. And thank you for being here with us. We appreciate you. We do. We are. We're currently rated number one in Chile for performing arts podcasts, which Uh, is awesome. Shout out to Chileans. Yeah. Thank you for listening and for pushing us at the top of the charts so soon, yeah. you know, fame and fortune, here we come. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Spotify will be knocking on the door next week. $200 million for your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Say, no, 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 keep your money. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please, to the money. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway. So, yeah, so make sure you're following us wherever you find your podcasts. If you would like to watch the frivolities, frivolities, is that the word? That fancy Sounds word right. for today? Yeah. If you want to watch the shenanigans, you can watch this on our YouTube channel as well and see our purple and grey hair. And, uh, yeah, make <laughs> yes. sure you follow. And if you could leave us a review, that <laughs> would really help us, you know, help our podcast to grow and for more people to experience biscuits and the shenanigans. Check the show notes for all the information for Andrew, Andrew's book, for our webinars for our events make sure you follow us Heidi Moss is the next episode thanks for watching see you good night